This is uh, from Brian Stevenson's group in Alabama, the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, Brian Stevens is a uh, a son of, of the great state of Delaware and a, a, a great civil rights attorney. Everybody knows him. Um, so they have uh, a long, basically a book on their website because they've documented um, all the violence um, during and, and after the Civil War and in Jim Crow. And so this is the beginning of chapter three of the book that's on their website. And, it, and the chapter is called Documenting Reconstruction Violence, Known and Unknown Horrors. And the chapter starts with an, epi, uh, an epigraph. Um, and this is from a letter from the Freeman's Bureau official in Sherman, Texas, in October 1866. The freedmen here have been kept in perfect terror of their lives by the desperate men of the county who are hostile and active in abusing, assailing, and murdering this inoffensive people all over the county for any and every pretext that human ingenuity can devise and often without any plea whatever. And the chapter goes on to document uh, 34 mass lynchings during Reconstruction, uh, and the radical terror. And uh, the first three paragraphs go like this. Uh, the historical record is filled with scattered but consistent and devastating descriptions of the terror and brutality that thwarted what should have been a time of hope and promise. Despite the plentiful reports from observers describing frequent and largely unchecked murders and assaults, black people suffered during the Reconstruction period of 1865 to 1876, there is no established casualty count or reliable total of number of victims killed. Quantitative documentation of the violence of this era remains imprecise and incomplete. In his foundational book, Been in the Storm So Long, The Aftermath of Slavery, historian Leon F. Litwack acknowledges several reasons for the sparse record. For one, Southern newspapers often suppress reports of white violence targeting black people, alleging that the stories unfairly cast the South in a bad light. In addition, the boldness and impunity with which these attacks were committed meant that many victims simply disappeared, leaving no obvious trace of their fate. The trauma of racial violence also left many black victims and witnesses afraid to report attacks or provide testimony against the white mobs responsible. And finally, the indifference and even complicity of local legal systems left few authorities to whom attacks could be reported, even if people were brave enough to do so. And this is a quote from Litwack's book. Whether dealing with slaves or freedmen, Southern courts and jurists seldom wavered from the urgent need to solidify white supremacy, ensure proper discipline in blacks, and punish severely those who violated the racial code. After their initial experiences with the judicial, judicial system, many freedmen found little reason to place any confidence in it. The laws discriminated against them, the courts upheld a double standard of justice, and the police acted as the enforcers. Now, you you watched the video? I did, yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't. So Nurse Susan gave me the gave me the rundown. Um She said when they woke him up, they were like reaching inside the car. They're like uh, like a reaching in the window and shit when the guy's asleep. Yeah, I so the video that I watched, it starts sort of right after they woke him up. And it seems like, yeah, they're reaching in the window or possibly opening the car door as well. Um, yeah, and then they start talking about their, you know, investigating or looking for a stolen car or something. And he says, you know, this is my car. My mom was here. I, just, I didn't steal his car. It's my car. Um, and then they point out, oh, you got weed. Um, and oh. they don't. They don't say that as like a, oh, we're arresting you for weed, but it's like, oh, you know, you got some weed here. Um, and like, oh, you know, we don't care about that, but we just need you to get out of the car. Um, uh, or I don't know if they said that explicitly, but they didn't like make an explicit, They but they pointed out multiple times, oh, you know, you got weed here. Um, and then, yeah, he, um, you know, Drives away. The doors are still a little bit open because they're still trying to like get him out of the car. Uh, drives down. Everybody runs to their cars. Um, they go to the end of the dead end. Uh, he does like a U-turn. Um, you know, they get out of the cars. They're trying to block him off. A couple of the cops walk out. They get their guns out. Um, they say, uh, you know, stop the fucking car. You know, things that cops say. And he kind of... The cop's initial story was that he basically came right at them at full speed um, and they had to stop him. Uh, but what basically happened is that he was at the end. They tried to block him off. So he was going like not particularly fast. Like he wasn't speeding, like hitting the gas or anything. He was kind of slowly moving around, trying to get around the cops. Um, yeah, Susan, and, Nurse Susan uh, characterized it as like rolling around, like because you're already like boxed in. So you're kind of like roll, you put it in gear and you start to roll like in a direction. Yeah, that, so he was trying that, to basically. Accurate? Was that, would you say that that's I would accurate? say so. I, I didn't just watch it, but like it did not strike. And because it gets in that position I'm, and I'm thinking back to the cops and I was like, oh, I can sort of see, you know, based on the setup, how this could have, how this is how it could have been interpreted. Then when he actually starts moving, it's very clear that's not what's happening. Um, but as about the time, so it's not even as he starts moving, it's when he's already in motion and basically next, already next to one of the cops who's out of this car, that's when they open fire. Um, and he gets another five feet and then goes into a, the side of the road. I mean... Again, I, I can't remember if we had hit record before or not, but I, I'm just, I'm not interested in anybody's fucking stories and their, and their bullshit right now. Like, I guess I might have to like take myself out of the discourse because like, if you want to explain to me like how, why that's okay, like why that's fine and why we can't do anything uh like i'm not interested in it i see floors popping in that's fucking super hello fleur hello how are you all 
How are you? Uh, you know, um, I, I got wound up today. I, I don't know if you heard me yelling earlier. I, I'm I've been I'm yelling. I'm, I'm yelling. Well, and, uh, you know, it's an emotional time. It's a, it's a time where people are fed up. It's a time where people want answers. It's a time where people want to see accountability happen. So let me introduce you. It's uh, you guys know Floor McKendall from uh, Kent County from the NAACP. Um, yeah, so we're putting this together quickly because it's sort of a reaction to this um, this dash cam video that uh, Matt Meyer from the county released of the what I'm calling the lynching of Lamont Moses. Um, you know, county police inside the city just cut, run up on somebody who startles them in their in his car. Uh, you know, starts, you know, talking about drugs and, and, and flashing their light in his face and asking him questions and shit and then just doing whatever they want. And so I got all wound up and I got some of my friends to, to join me and just sort of, I don't know, just talk it out a little bit. So, um, Fleur, thank you for joining. I know hopefully Ty will be able to jump on. I talked to Kobe earlier. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to trying to get people's reaction and and trying to figure out what what our next move is as a as a community. Well, you know, I was at the two of the uh, press events for the family, and I was able to stand alongside. I don't know if you saw it in the news or in the paper. But I was able to stand alongside his wife. I was able to stand alongside his sisters, his mother, his children, and had to speak calmly and in a dignified way um, to the press about how I felt to watch modern day lynching is what I'm going to say that it is. And it makes me think about the relationship well, first, let me just say this. I feel like people really get stuck on race when we talk about police and brutality. But the real reality is, is that it's not about the color of the police officers that are doing the killing or using excessive use of force because it's the training and the culture. So people of color in the uniforms do it too. And we saw that in the Freddie Gray situation in Baltimore. Most of those officers involved were people of color. Um, and he died from the injuries that he sustained because of the way that they handled um, him in, in, in that paddy wagon. And so at the end of the day, you know, we have to move away from these conversations about uh, white officers, um, excessive use of force on black people. And it does happen and it is disproportionate, but it is also a culture where we see that black officers and other officers of color also engage in this behavior. So it is something that needs to be fixed from top to bottom. It's just not a color issue. So I want to be clear about that. But what I do want to say is that I stand along that alongside that family that day and have to talk to the press in a way, again, that was dignified and professional because I'm representing my organization, um, which is the NAACP Central Branch. And again, I'm vice president or second vice president of the state conference. So, you know, my leadership as an officer is, is, is twofold. Um, it angered me. It outraged. I was outraged, but more importantly, pained to my soul beyond belief because we continue to see 
people's names added to a blood soiled banner that we're going to walk around this spring and walk around this summer. And we did it last year. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And we become a hashtag. But there's no accountability for these lives that are being taken. And we have leadership at the police level, local, state, that are just covering it up. They don't, they, they close out these investigations. They claim these killings are substantiated and justified. They seal videos, get pissed when they're leaked or when they are released so that you can really see what happens. And then even with the public looking at what happened and being able to see that it does not align with what the officer said happened in their report, there is no accountability, none. So at this point, you know, we get upset and I'm not one for um, uh, violence and, and um, you know, violent protest and burning things down. But people are tired of not having accountability, police being able to be immune from the punishments that you and I would suffer if we engage in that behavior because Delaware has this Bill of Rights and we have all these little cute fancy things that keeps, and we're not the only state, but it keeps officers from being held accountable. And at this point, we better, and excuse my mouth for those who are listening, we better damn well see some accountability in the killing, the brutal killing of Lamont Moses, or there's going to be some hell to pay. There must be accountability. And when I say accountability, really quickly, we're not talking about a check that at the end of the day, taxpayers, right, are paying to give the family some relief. And I understand that, you know, they should be financially taken care of, but it doesn't bring back a life and it doesn't excuse the behaviors and it does not prohibit or should not prohibit the officers from being brought to justice. We want to see both. We want to see the family taken care of financially, but we also want to see the officers and the police departments and anyone involved in covering up this vicious, brutal attack on Lamont Moses be brought to justice. 100%. 100% solidarity with all of that. Um, the first thing you said I think is so important to people understand is, look, the dynamic is a racial dynamic. There's no question about that. However, what's happening is a function of a long-standing power dynamic that we have to reckon with. Uh, before you came on, I, I read a bit about uh, some some a lot of the killings, the extrajudicial sort of lynchings in Texas uh, during Reconstruction. There's there's you could look up huge massacres, Colfax in Louisiana, Wilmington, North Carolina. There was a huge massacre, Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a huge massacre, uh, and 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 other just you know large you know lynchings and and, and massacres all around the South. During, during there was there was one in Kent County that I was reading about. Maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll give you the uh, de the details. Actually, I'll, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give you the details right now. Give Maybe, us the details. Let me let me find these deets. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, here we go. Delaware in 1865. Delaware legislators refused to ratify the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery, and Governor Gove Salisbury declared that black people were, quote, a subordinate race. 
1867, black Union Army veteran William Obi Evans was lynched in Lipsig in Kent County after being accused of burning down a white man's barn. Later reports acknowledged his likely innocence. And those reports came from a book called Revenge in the Most Terrible Manner uh, by uh, Yahuru Williams. They also came from the Sunbury Gazette in Sunbury, Pennsylvania in 1867 contemporaneously and also from the Philadelphia Inquirer in an essay called An Innocent Man Lynched, August 5th, 1867. So that was that was right there in Kent County uh, in, in Reconstruction. Um, there you go. I mean, this is this is a this this what this is is a continuation of a system uh, to keep people in terror, to keep people uh, you know just afraid of what's you know being cornered or questioned or under the threat of violence at any time, and that's what this is. So people can get bogged down in loving the cops or thinking it's racial and trying to racialize it. Obviously, it's racist. That's not, I mean, that's clear. Again, it would be an insult to everybody's intelligence to try to pretend. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a systemic thing. And, and, and I, my, my, my patience for talking about, like, the cop bill of rights and like what somebody can politically say is what somebody can politically say or what somebody's political my my patience is 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 it's it's over it's not thin it's fucking spent i'm done with it uh ty greer uh another uh, kent county uh powerhouse hello thank you for joining um i'm sorry it's not under uh more uh, happy fun circumstances uh but how are you Annoyed. I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't even know how I am right now. I'm just annoyed and I'm aggravated. But I'm ready to. I'm gonna be trolled. I'm gonna be. I, listen. I'm lit. I'm ready because I think that people no longer can. Um. They can't deny. They can't deny what's going on. I'm ready to see Leo Bor op- appealed now. No excuses. It needs to be done. Repeal it. Done away. No That's excuse. Right. Not settling for we don't we don't want it to be reformed. It needs to be completely repealed. Period. Ty, I was talking to uh, Rob about I, I went to the first two, but uh, forgot to mention Ty and I. She was with me at the second one. We went went up for the second uh, press event and protest. What was that? Two weeks ago. Yes. Up at uh, at the headquarters, and you know, the family of Jeremy McDole was there like we're still paying and to, to, to see these new killings happen right is a is a trigger and is a source of torture and pain for families that have already you know went through this by police departments in the same either the same police department or police departments in close proximity to to, to one that they're that you know their loved one um was killed by so it just you know and then we wonder why people of color walk out the door most mornings with the level of PTSD and anxiety because you just never know what, I have a 24 year old son and a 16 year old son. And, you know, I worry about my children. I worry about my 24 year old when he goes out. I worry about him all the time. I called him the other day and I said to him, your truck, he came by my house and I said, um, he pulled out the driver and I said, your truck, your, your winch, your, um, your license plate cover, is very, very like motley, like, you know, kind of like 
just needs to be replaced. You can't see the license plate really well. And I said, I know people that have been in Sussex County because he drives down there for work quite often. And they've been pulled over and harassed by the cops because they claim that you were trying to evade, you know, whatever, because your license plate can't be seen. And then they start asking all these questions. And then before you know it, and I'm like, you have to avoid every single thing that you can avoid to not have these instances by the police. And he's like, all right, mom, I'm going to take it off. I saw him two days later and it was still there. And I'm like, dude, take it off. Like you're going back and forth to Rehoboth for work. And it just worries me that we even have to think about these things. Um, but at the end of the day, we're tired of, and, and I said this at the protest and I'll say it again for those who may not have been able to see it. Mothers are tired of crying. Husbands, wives, children, they're tired of their loved ones dying. And we are all tired of the corruption and the lying. This has to stop. It has to. And someone must be held accountable. So I'm going to ask the question that's difficult that many people don't ask. What do you all think about the outcries for the chief to step down and or resign? Um, he, he should do that. Nobody should even have to ask him. He should just do that on his own. Like that should have been a done deal. Because I'm going to tell you like this, at the end of the day, how shit rolls downhill. Anybody who's been in any position of leadership, you're always responsible for everybody under you. So being that he doesn't want to relieve them, he needs to relieve himself. I'm well, sorry, was that question directed to me? I was... I mean, I agree with you. Vaughn, ba I will say this right now. Vaughn Bond, whatever the fuck his name is, should be, should resign. Matt Meyer should fire him if he hasn't resigned. Um, th th these, these cops should be fired. Uh, they should be arrested tomorrow. We should all be in the fucking street. They should However, be arrested. However, here's the issue. And again, this is why I, I get so frustrated because Carl brought it up earlier. Tomorrow, what are we going to hear? You know, the, these the, the, their names haven't been released, for example, because I'm sure that's either a, 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 a union thing or a, a cop bill of rights thing or whatever. Right. So so what you know, this is I, I, I will give Matt Meyer credit. Uh, I had a, I had a brief exchange with him on DMs today and, you know, he released this video ahead of what the AG, you know, I, I, I talked to the AG's office several months ago about a couple of different things, and they were, they were prepared to release this when the report went out. Meyer released this ahead of all of that for the first time. I think this hasn't been done before, at least in the county. I, I, I don't think it's been done in the state. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that. But what are we going to hear tomorrow? We're going to hear excuses. We're going to hear people that live in my neighborhood be like, well, did he put the car in gear? Did he? We're going to hear what he, what, 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 what Lamont Moses did. I'm going to be hearing a lot of about what that guy, what Lamont Moses did. And I don't want to be, and, and that it couldn't be relevant to me. It's not relevant to me. So what, when you say accountable, what do you expect to be said tomorrow? Like what, what? What are these people going to be able to do, do you think? Release the officers' names. Let's start there, okay? Because there's nowhere else can you commit a crime, and murder is a crime, okay? You, if, you, if, if I was to go 
and somebody breaks into my house and I shoot somebody, my name is released before I get to the bail hearing. Okay. So short of releasing their names, let's just start there because we need to do our own investigation because my biggest problem with this is, is that they sat up there and they try to throw dirt on his name. They put all his stuff out there. They had no problem releasing that. So we need to go back and let's go back and investigate them and let's do our own public investigation of them and let's put, put them on um, display because it's not fair because we didn't know what happened. You didn't know what happened, but they knew what the hell happened when this happened. They didn't need the body cam footage. They know they knew damn well what they did. And I'm going to say this, and I continue to say it for the first of all, the we got to get to the history of what policing was. You know, before they were technically called police, you had your slave catchers. Slave catchers. You you know that that's that's the history of police. We need to get to the history of how policing started, and then when you couldn't say things like the N word which I could say, but I won't say. And you couldn't do, uh, the, you know, slavery um, and, and lynchings, uh, racial terror lynchings, the, 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 tr the traditional way, which was either hanging or carting people with horses through town as an inter a level of entertainment for, for town folks, when that could no longer be. Then we move to traditional policing as we know it today. And then we start with the Jim Crow era and some of the other things that we've seen in the civil rights era. So. Police were never were never created to protect black and brown Sir, people. Yes, Let's just be clear. Police were created to keep black and brown people in their place, their place. and relegated yes. to a lower social class. And I'm sorry for being as passionate and, and I'm, I'm, I'm outraged. But that's the history of policing in America. So what we're seeing now is this playing out in modern day times, obviously, but for far too long, all of that to say, violence by police towards men and women of color, particularly men, goes unchallenged and without consequences. And there must be consequences. There has to be consequences. And it's, it, it's, 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 you know, even when we look at what's happening now with the George Floyd, lynching just before trial you want to announce a 27 million dollar settlement with the family as though money dangling a carrot in front of people's faces is supposed to erase the memory erase what his life meant and as i said when i first got on we add his name to a blood soiled banner with Black Lives Matter all over it, and it becomes another hashtag. And then we forget and we moved on. And we cannot continue to allow that to happen as a society. So the question is, and I say this, and I said it then and I'll say it again, Governor Carney, Matt Myers, Chief Bond, Kathleen Jennings, and anyone else in leadership Dr. that has Joe, anything to do with- Dr. Um, Mr. Biden, President- Mr. Biden, sir. President Biden, don't President. look to your left don't look to your right to figure out who's responsible for reforming police as we know it and, and, and working to issue restorative and transformative justice as we know it. Look in the mirror because damn it, it starts with you and the collective work and commitment of all of you to do what is necessary to rid these antiquated, racist, discriminatory and disproportionate policies and make sure that we all have a equal, and I'll say equal, and then because you can't have equal, I 
opportunity without equal access. And that's where people, you know, we use that word equal opportunity, equal opportunity, but there's no access. We have to create opportunities for access before we can say we're gonna truly meet and be able to gauge opportunity. But before we can get to a point where there is equality and justice for all, we need the leaders in our state and in our country to commit to doing what is necessary and, and, and listen, don't get me wrong. I love police. My brother-in-law is a police officer in the, in the city that I grew up in, in Hillside, New Jersey. I love, shout out to Brian Aronson. I uh, love ed police. Editors, quick, quick editor's note. Uh, this is Fleur's opinion and does not reflect the opinion of the Highlands Bunker podcast. All right, Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> I love police. I love police. I value and respect good police work. Operative word here is good police work, Right. So However, can, we, can, we, can, we, can we edit that? Let one me more ask time? you a question, though. God, actually, <laughs> if, if I may, no, I'm going to be serious uh, because you know I agree. I feel as you do that this is really a continuation of a system that's been in place actually before the Civil War, antebellum uh, America, and before that, and I and 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 really Reconstruction just. You know, we just let it sort of continue in a different name. You told a story about, you know, worrying about the condition of your son's car. Because if you can't see, you know, if there's a taillight out, if, the, if, if you can't see the license plate, if there's a mirror broken, you know, this is, this is the bullshit that goes on today. And everybody knows that. Now, you know, just in Jim Crow 40s and 50s, after the World War II, you know, you had the Green Book. People, where do you go? How, where can I get, where can I fill up the gas tank? Where can I have a hamburger? Where can I, because in the South, you could only go certain places, so you had to have a book. Now, that's looked at as arch archaic, just, just uh, nonsense. I don't see how that's any different today. And so my question is then, if the police fill that role, right? If that's what they do, it doesn't matter if they're white or black or, or Latina or Latino or whatever they are, they fill this role as enforcers to whatever we say is fine. Whoever they got to kill, they can kill. We can write it in and they can get off whatever houses. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to, now I'm not saying individually that that's a bad person your relative or anybody we know who might, uh, that, that individual is not a bad person. But they're they're involved with a they're involved with an organization that is mostly bad, and that is a continuation historically of a just a, a, a violent paramilitary terror force. I don't know how I don't know another way we can look at it. Like, do you think I, I talk about this with Yahim Harris because Yahim, you know, we, that was a big thing. But this, you don't think that these officers who murdered uh, Lamont Moses or who shot Yahim Harris or who shot uh, Bam McDoyle or who sh or who shot um, uh, Ricardo Hilton? I can't. It was Ricardo Hilton, I think his name was. Uh, you, you think they're the, the people who worked with them didn't know that they were maniacs? And didn't know that they would just do whatever. Didn't know how they talked when they were in the thing, or or what they did on a, who they hit, or what they got away with. You don't think those fucking people knew that they're doing that? So I, I just I'm I'm hard pressed to give people we know a pass. I'm just hard pressed, and that's why I'm interested that you said that because I'm interested in what your feelings are about this. Can I add to that before you respond? 
I was going to say, I have a hard time saying that I like anybody because I was prior military and I see what people do. A uniform doesn't make a person. So I will never across the board say I love police. I don't. Um, I'm going to never going to say I love people in the military. I don't. I love people. Okay. I love good people. But in order to be good people, you have to be willing to call the bad people, even mm -hmm. when it may cost you something. Okay. Because every nothing is free. So you have, may have to sacrifice. And even when it is something body that you care about. And one thing about me, integrity is a big thing for me. So I will call out people that I, that I care about. I will call out people in my circle and people will get mad and their feelings. And if that costs me a friendship, a relationship, X, Y, and Z, so be it. But I think integrity is the most important thing. And I feel like that with people's, that's part of the reason because we have to start to see when you, what this, this is their atmosphere. When you join a police force and they said, oh, the thin blue line, everybody knew about the thin blue line long before they joined the police force. Okay. So you knew what you were coming up against. And I think that we have to start taking responsibility and we have to start encouraging people and empowering people. If you're going to be a police officer and you want me to support you, you better be supporting your community. You better mm -hmm. be ready to call people out. You better be ready to break ranks because if not, you're just one of them. I agree, Ty, wholeheartedly. And you know, I say that I'm, I'm a walk around quoting and I love quoting Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And he said something so eloquent and he's been gone nearly 55, 60 years now. But in the end, it's not the words of our enemies that we are going to remember. It's the silence of our friends. So to your point, and again, when I say I love, first of all, you know, the last time I was here, I told you I'm a lover of Jesus Christ. So I must love on people. You know, I must um, pray for people. I must wish them well. Right. They can eat maybe just not at my table, you know, and release them. Right. However, bad policing and bad actors need to be called out, not just by us, by their leaders, by other fellow members of, of law enforcement. Um, by elected officials and, and everyone else who has a hand in the operations of, of city, local, state, federal government, right? But we also must work feverishly not only to call them out, but get them out. And what bothers me is a lot of times these officers stay on the street. Like in, we have a, a case down here in Dover, similar. The person, thank God, is still alive, but it's a woman. And, it, and, and when the report doesn't align with what you said happened, but when the video was released and we see what really happened, we know that even black women are under attack. And we know that you get to just walk around on the street. The, the, the protesters on June 9th of, of last year, Camden 22, they're, they, they're act, able to act like barbarians and just beat people up, run them over, attack them, and there are no repercussions for the behavior. So I'm not denouncing or condemning all police because there's obviously good police work out there being done. And I know when I need a police officer, if I ever need a police officer to come to my house, I don't give a hell what color you are when you show up. Because if I need you, I just want you to show up. But there are bad actors and they must, they must be called out and they must be put out. They must be brought to justice like any other um, person if they would have committed the same or similar crime, period. Yeah, and I'll just go back to what Ty says. And, and so here's here's my litmus test. There's no cop bill of rights. 
It should be repealed. It actually should just be repealed tomorrow based on what we just fucking saw. That's right. Literally. So, so if, if anybody, if anybody wants to come at me and tell me that and try to like, this is a cut and dry situation now. And so if you don't think it's a cut and dry situation, I'm going to question your, where you're coming from. You know, if you want to tell me that there are good cops and I'm not supposed to say fuck the police and I'm not supposed to do this and call them pigs and all that and all the shit that I do online is part of my shtick and everybody gets all upset, oh, da, 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 you know, but what about Lieutenant Dan was so great 10 years ago in Wilmington? Repeal the cop bill of rights tomorrow. If you don't want to, you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. You want per, you want protection. You want to be able to do violence. You want to be able to, to be a terror organization. You want to be a right a, a right wing terror organization. You want to keep people in constant fear and oppression. As I said before, you know what was Lamont Moses's options? Well, he was being harassed by a, by a, a police force who didn't even have jurisdiction where he was. He was woken up uh, with people like poking in his car. So, you know, he could either go to jail, go to prison that night, and maybe go to prison. Like, what, what is his background? Maybe he committed a crime five years ago, so he's not gonna he's gonna have trouble getting out. Or he doesn't have money, say. His family doesn't have money, and they can't get him a lawyer. Now he's going to be in for weeks or months because because these guys just decided to fuck with this guy. So he was like, he took a, he took a chance. And you know what? He was, he was lynched because of it. And he, guess what? He away because of it. That's the history of black and brown people in America. That's why, again, the history of policing, although it wasn't called police, the key word was slave catcher because we, my people were taking chances. They would rather take the chance and run. And when so many of them made that choice, then we have what we have. What, back then, it wasn't police, but what we have today and matriculated to was policing. But it, but it started as catching Black folks who wouldn't stay in line, and people who wanted to take a chance and run because they did not want to become a part of an oppressive, submissive system where they had no rights or less rights than people whose skin color was different from theirs, period. And when our people, and I'm gonna say this, when our people are being carried off in body bags or to ER departments and handcuffs after a routine traffic stop or a welfare check, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And anybody who doesn't see that it's a problem is a problem. That's right. So now the question is, what do we do next? Like, we know the problems, right? And I'm like a forward-thinking, results-oriented person. So now what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope... I, 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 I'm going to ramp this up. I mean, we've talked about... We, we, we've, we've talked about dropping the charges on Simba because he still has charges over his head, the 14-year-old. I think he might have turned 15, Actually, I'm not positive. He made it if if he did, happy birthday, buddy. Um, we got to get the charges dropped. We we got we got to get these guys fired and arrested. I mean, we have to start. There has to be specific end and the cop bill of rights. We, now repeals on the table 
because this is absolute nonsense. And we have to start pushing these with, with all, all force. And I know, look, I know it's difficult. You know, we have a minimum wage thing on the table, which is important. We have, you know, I, I don't really even know what marijuana legalization would do in this case because I was talking to, to Carl earlier and, you know, um, in the Lamont Moses case, they're, 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 the cops are basically sort of taunting him with the fact that I guess they smell weed or they saw weed in the car, but they didn't really say anything about it. They were just like, hey, I see weed there, I see weed there, like just sort of like as another thing to sort of taunt him with. Um, another thing we can't let happen is... You know, last week, I think it was just last week, somebody can check me on this, uh, the AG just uh, cleared a bunch of shootings, a bunch of cop shootings just last week. Last week. Mm-hmm. I think it was because, four of them. Yeah, the guy on Orange Street that they startled, the Wilmington cops that they startled, at least they were in their jurisdiction. That was fine. You know, they can wake a guy up there. That's Because it's always there's always an excuse. Well, you know, the guy, he... You know, they, 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 uh, the family of the young man who was beaten by the Newcastle County police in Newcastle on his dirt bike just filed a lawsuit this week or within the last two weeks, say. And, and the cops did the, you know, stop resisting. Oh, I'm, I'm choking this guy, but he wiggled and now, uh, you know, he went for my gun. So I'm going to try to choke him out. Like all of this stuff has to be met with incredulity and, and frankly, it has to be met with people going out in the street. Ty, I know you got to bounce. Thank you for jumping on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is a very important issue. So thank you for bringing it like you always bring it. Um, I, I try. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so... Look, we've gone through this whole pandemic. We haven't gotten out of that. Uh, we went through this whole election cycle with on a national level was crazy. On the local level was just busy and, 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 and crazy. I mean, you know, it's a it's a heavy ask to ask people to fucking get to get uh, to get up and get, you know, get juiced about every issue. Um, but this is really the one people are people are people are, are, are being murdered. You know, lynchings. It's a 20. First thing I thought it was a 21st century lynching. This is what this is. This is what the police are now. um you know, allowed to do. It's not even tacit. We tell you, you have confidentiality. You have every reasonable, anything your mind can think of. Uh, what, what, what did what did the quote say? Uh, anything that human ingenuity can devise is a reason for you to do deadly violence. It's sick, and we ha- and we have to we we have to have to speak up, and we have to do something about it. Thank you, Rob, for for inviting me on again. um, You know, I know you're closing out, but at this point, our rage, that can't be all that's left. This rage, and I tell young people this all the time, or younger people, rage must somehow turn into a form of revolution. And we must figure out what we're going to do about it. We can't continue to sit idly by and let these things continue to happen to people and uphold these racist, discriminatory policies and institutions that continue to allow the continuation of, 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 of these behaviors and, and these killings. So 
Yeah. Fleur, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on. Fleur McKendall, everybody, Central Delaware and AACP. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Good night, guys. Good night. Bye-bye. So this is a Delaware call. Co-managing editor Jordan Howell uh, hit me up. He just wanted to, uh, to make this known. The Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 5, who disagreed with the release of this video, they owed the Department of Elections $3,700 in unpaid fines dating back to 2014. All election fines paid and unpaid for the Fraternal uh, Order of Police Lodge 5 total more than $30,000 since 2014. Just saying that they likely have done more to violate the law than Lamont Moses did. Yeah. No shit. I mean, I don't know, man. I, 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 there's so much going on. I, I, I understand that. Uh, it's hard for me to get like juiced about a lot of stuff. This one is particularly heinous and grotesque. It's actually the most heinous and grotesque. You know, you just, for nothing blow a guy away, you know, fucking two miles from my house. It's fucking weird, man. Very weird. All right, folks. Um, we'll be back with your regularly scheduled program uh, very soon. I don't really feel it's appropriate to plug any of our stuff tonight because I just don't feel like it. Um, but stay strong, everybody. All powers to the people and left is best. 